Well, how many of you enjoyed sleeping an extra hour? Man, to me, this is the greatest day of the year. Anytime I get to sleep in a little bit, I love it. The worst day of the year, obviously, is coming up in about five or six months. And I'll let you know what that day is whenever it arrives. Well, this morning, we're continuing our Vision 2020 sermon series, and so glad that you are here with us. Um, Just by way of review, two weeks ago, we looked at um, the church, okay? We looked at the church at Ephesus specifically, and Paul's prayer for that church. We looked at how he prayed for strength to be present within the people of that church, for power, for the Holy Spirit's indwelling, for roots, for love, for comprehension, and for the fullness of God within their lives. And I want you to know that is my prayer for you, and I pray that that is your prayer for one another as well, that we will be a church that demonstrates these characteristics in our lives. Then last week we looked at the mission of the church, and we know what the mission of the church is because God has clearly communicated us with us what that was and is. Jesus, before he ascended to take his rightful place next to the Father, he told us to go and to make disciples. He didn't, he didn't tell us to go to some parts of the world and not others apart, parts of the world. No, he told us to go and make disciples of all people. Not some people, not people that look like us, not people that talk like us, but all people in all nations. We make disciples of those we have reached with the gospel. And we also make disciples of those that the Lord has entrusted us with, just like as a faith family. It is all of our responsibility to be made into a disciple as well as to make disciples. And then um, we also looked at how Paul was unapologetic about his faith. He did not care what the consequences would be for him standing and boldly communicating the truth. Our focal passage last week was Romans chapter 1. And by, by way of review, these are the words that Paul spoke. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now this morning we're going to begin looking at what our vision is as a church. Then next week we'll begin looking at our core values as we continue to flesh out the vision that God has given us for this church here at Friendship Baptist Church. Our message point this morning is this. The mission of the church is universal. The vision of the church is specific. And when I say that, the mission of the church is universal because God has given all churches the same mission. Okay, But the vision of the church is, is, is specific to that church, to that organization, to that person. Now, it may be similar to someone else's, but, but when God bursts a vision within the heart of a man, a woman, a student, or a child, that vision from God is specific to that person, and it is that responsibility of that person to begin to live out that vision. As a church, we must live out the vision that God has given us. Our vision statement 
is we exist to glorify God by becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let's say that together. We exist to glorify God by becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. When I think back about seven years, when I first um, began talking with the leadership team here at Friendship Baptist Church, um, I'm still frequently that comes um, across my mind and heart because when we began to meet, um, it was communicated to me that friendship had reached a point where it was struggling a little bit. People had left. There were financial struggles. There were many hurt um, members that made up the church um, for those that remained, but a lot had left. And we began to pray about what God could do through this people that reside on this hill in, in Fairview, Texas. Soon I began preaching here on Sunday, and I brought a few of my friends over from Wiley that had some youth and some children and preschool. Then we began to do life together, and we began to grow a church together. In that room, when those five or six of us gathered together and prayed, the Lord made it very clear that he was not done with Friendship Baptist Church. And I believe with all my heart that God is not done with Friendship Baptist Church. I believe that we have many, many good days in front of us. This church is 110 years old. And my prayer is that, that this church will be around for another 110 years unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes and snatches us away as the church before then. Let's be the church that God has set us apart to be. Do you realize, um, I, as I've been working through um, one, one of my classes at, at school, um, I was reading uh, one of my assigned textbooks, and, and I believe it was by Audrey Malfres was this particular book, but he communicated that, that there are 3,500 churches every single year that close their doors. And this has been a trend that has been going on for the last 20 years. Now, there are churches that are started. There are plants. There are all of these things that are going on. But those that are started are not more than those that are closing their doors every single year. That's a lot of churches that are closing. And so what does that tell me? That tells me that the church is in trouble. Okay? Christ's people are, 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 are getting away from Christ's mission for us. And so it is so important that us as a church, we frequently are reminded of what our mission is, what our vision is, and what we value as a people. God has called us and He has set us apart so that we could glorify Him and so that we will become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that's not just a mission that, or a vision statement that just applies to Friendship Baptist Church. That's a vision statement that applies to the greater church as well. Now, this morning, okay, we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 26. And here is the scene. When Paul became a believer, he received a word from the Lord, a vision from the Lord. And the Lord made it very clear to him that he was to take the gospel to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and he would have the opportunity to take the gospel and share it before kings. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, after Paul had been converted, God also planted that, that word within the heart of Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, verses 15 through 16, we read, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen. 
For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now fast forward many years. Okay, Paul is in a prison in Caesarea. He's been there for about two years and he is on his way to Rome. He wants to have the opportunity to, to, to share the gospel with Caesar himself. And, and notice these words that we read, okay? Now, understand, we're not going to read the entire Acts chapter 26 or what leads to Paul being arrested and placed in this prison in Caesarea, but Paul has already had the opportunity to share the gospel before two governors. He, he shared before the go- governor Felix and governor Festus, and now he is going to stand before King Agrippa, and he is going to share his testimony. He is going to share the vision that God had placed in his heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 26, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 29 together. Acts 26, we're going to read verses 12 through 29 together. These are the words of the Lord. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me." Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I and accept for these 
change. Man, what a powerful passage of Scripture this is, of a life transformed by the gospel and of a proclaimer of the gospel being unapologetic when it came to presenting the gospel to King Agrippa. Notice our first point this morning is this. We were created to reflect God's glory. We were created to reflect God's glory. Now, Paul was not standing before a normal king here, okay? He was standing before a man whose great-grandfather tried to have Jesus killed along with every other child two years and under. His grandfather had John the Baptist beheaded. His father would be responsible for the death of James, one of the very first Christian martyrs. This was a man who came from a line of despicable people. And now Paul is standing before this man, knowing the history in that family line. Then you would think that maybe he would cower back a little bit. That's not what he does here at all, is it? No, he says, man, I don't, even, I don't desire that just you are saved today, but my desire is that everyone that can hear my voice today, that they will be saved as well. What a powerful testimony. What a powerful man of God. Now, Paul, the man we looked at last week who unapology wrote to the Romans, stands before this man who could very well have him killed, stands before him, and he shares his glorious transformation. Folks, when you and I were saved and born again, we became a part of God's redemptive story. And that story is worth sharing, isn't it? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the testimony that the Lord has given you of your salvation experience is worth sharing this morning? You know, you may say, well, you know, my story really isn't worth sharing because there isn't a whole lot of fluff to it. Man, there's not a whole lot of things that I ever did that, that really is going to catch the attention of other people. You're like, ma'am, I never persecuted anybody. You know, I never threw stones at anybody. I never approved of anybody's death. Um, Man, you know, when Jesus saved me, I didn't hear an audible voice. There wasn't this glorious light that outshone the sun in in the sky. Man, I, I didn't have any of those things. Some of you are like, man, so I don't really have a testimony. But I want you to know right now that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. It's a testimony of God's redemptive story in your life. I became a believer at the age of 11, and I will assure you right now that I did more carnal things after I became a Christian than I did before I became a Christian. If I had to write down all the things that I did before the age of 11, my dad would probably disagree here. But, but there wasn't a whole lot of things that I did that bad at that point in my life. Most of the bad things that I did was after. After that point. And so you may be in the same boat. You became a believer early in, in age, and, and man, you think back, man, I did a lot worse things bef- since becoming a believer than I did before, before. And so I don't have a testimony like Paul had. I don't have a testimony like X, Y, and Z have. But understand this as long as you have breath in your lungs and you were saved by Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. And that testimony is of what Jesus Christ did for you the moment that you received him as your Lord and Savior, the moment you repented of your sins, and the moment that you cried out to him and asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Understand this our testimony is of Jesus. Jesus reforming us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. At the moment of our salvation, we became a brand new person. 
our lives were reconciled to God. Before that point, our lives were broken. Okay? Our relationship with Jesus and God the Father was severed. But in the moment that we cried out to Jesus to forgive us, it was like a compound fracture had been, had been made right again. And that's what it means to be reformed by Jesus Christ. It means to be made right with God. It means that our lives have been reconciled to God. So we are reformed at the moment of our salvation. Okay? But understand this, we are also being transformed by Jesus. Every single day of our lives should be about being transformed into the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul wrote these words, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. If we want to become a church or individuals that reflect the glory of the Lord, then we need to allow the Lord to transform us into His glorious image. And that happens when we spend time with the Lord. That happens when we spend time in His Word. That happens as we communicate with the Lord and pray to the Lord. The only way you're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ is to spend time with Him. You know, my wife and I have been married for almost 23 years. And I know a lot about my wife, okay? There are things that, 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 that I'm still learning about my wife as well. Um, but every single day that we spend together in communication with one another, we get to know each other that much better. And, and the same happens with our relationship with the Lord. The more time we spend with the Lord, the greater our relationship with Him grows. Do you know that, that there is some research done that, that indicates that the longer a married couple is together, the more they begin to look like one another? I'm sorry, babe, but that's the reality of this. Um, but this was a study that was done by um, a, a, a psychologist by the name of Robert Zazenick at the University of Michigan. But he conducted this experiment, and, and, and the, the closer a couple is together, the more they look like each other. I've got a, a set of Facebook friends, okay? And I kid you not, I've showed this to my wife, and I think I've shown it to some other people over the years. This couple has been married for, for well over 25 years, but I kid you not, you cannot tell the difference between them. They look just like one another. Um, and, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, but that kind of gives evidence to this that it, it's true. Um, but here's the deal. Once again, the more time we spend with the Lord, the more we become like the Lord, the more we are transformed into His image. We are to be image bearers of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11.1, we read, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The more time we spend with Christ, guess what? The more we're going to look like Christ. We were created in His image so that we could be bearers of that image in and through our daily lives. Notice next that fully devoted followers of Jesus grow. Paul did not become a theologian or the most important Christian leader to ever walk the face of this earth overnight. He became who he was because he spent much time in the presence of the God of the universe and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he allowed the Holy Spirit to transform him into the glorious image of God. Think about it. 
Every single one of us in this room are professionals in our field, are we not? If you are an adult in this room and you have a field, you are a professional in that field, right? Um, Did that happen overnight? No, it took time before you became a professional in that in that particular field. For me, um, you know, I, I've I've studied a lot, read a lot of books, um, and you know, some of what I've learned have come from. Um, the direct instruction from professors. Some of the things that I've learned have come from the school of hard knocks. And I think all of us are a little familiar with that, right? Um, Those are the things that professors don't teach us when we're in school, right? You know, like I never was taught how to deliver a death notification to to, to somebody um, that that lost their life in, 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 in the war. Um, that was something that I was kind of thrown into one day. Um, I haven't been taught how to walk with people that are grieving. These are things that, that I've had to, to learn in, in life. And, and all of that happens through growth, doesn't it? You know, we're not, we're not ever taught how to deal with tragedy in our lives. That is something that happens as we go through life. But I want you to know this, the more we become like Christ, the more we grow in his knowledge and the more we grow in his image, the more we're going to understand what this life is all about. You know, 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Here's reality. Listening is not enough. It is important, but it is not always transformative. It is only when we act on that which we have heard and read that it becomes transformative. I can stand here week in and week out and preach from God's Word and tell you to go and do and be, but until you go and be and do, you're not allowing yourselves to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Fully devoted followers of Jesus grow. As a church, we must grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Fully devoted followers of Jesus also go. Here's my question for all of us in this room this morning. How can we keep from going? How can we keep from going? How can we, as growing believers, remain unchanged by the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We have all been called to go. And go we must do. Paul, he was kind of like the Energizer Bunny, wasn't he? He went and went and went and went and went and went. And he did not stop until he breathed his last breath on this side of eternity. In fact, um, Paul would, um, he was in Caesarea on his way to Rome, but he would eventually make his way to Rome. He would spend about two years in prison there. He, he would be released, but he would come back um, and, and be imprisoned again in Rome. And it's believed that he died a martyr's death. It's believed that he, he, he gave his neck to the sword. But Paul preached up until he could preach no more. And that's what we've been called to do as well. Preach until we can preach no more and share until we can share no more. Romans 10, 14 through 15, we read these words. How then will they call on him 
in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Why do we go? Because we have been commanded to go. Why do we share? Because how else are those people on the face of this earth that have never heard the name of Jesus going to hear? We go because we have been commanded to go. And as a church, we can do one of two things, or we can do both things. We can support missions by giving, or we can go as missionaries and share with those in different parts of this world. As a church, we, you know, missions is important to us. We've been to Ecuador multiple times. We've been to New York. We've been to Virginia Beach since I've been here. And we've done a lot of things locally. All of those things are important, and we need to continue to do that. We cannot lose sight of what we have been called to do. We have been called to go and to make disciples, not of the people that we want to make disciples of, but of all people. I had somebody... um, in fact, my wife today sent me a text and said, hey, blank wants to go to blank place. I'm like, let's go. Um, why? Because if, if that is where we are called to go, we need to go. God has called us to go. Stuart Briscoe shared these words, um, actually chastising the church for a lack of outreach. He said, talking about the lost of the world, he says, the unreached population of the world are a scandal to the name of Christ and his church. The problem is not that we are here and they are there. The problem is that after 2,000 years, so many people still have never heard the gospel message. The scandal is that 2,000 years after he left, 100,000 people around the world would die today, most of whom will have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. This is a true tragedy, and it is also a scandal and a rebuke to the Christian church. It is believed that even today there are still about 2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus directly out of somebody's mouth, or they have never read the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years after Jesus ascended to take his rightful place next to the Father, 2,000 years after he commissioned us to go as the church, there are still, on, at this time, about 2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. Guess what? You and I have been called to go to them. Now, obviously, we can't go to 2 billion people, but we can go to um, one person here and another person here or one community here and another community here or one nation and then another nation. We can impact this world for Jesus. Fully devoted followers of Jesus grow, they go, and they also give. They give of their time, their talents, and their treasures. What do each of these areas of giving say about us? They clearly show what we are devoted to, don't they? Think about this for a minute. And I've shared parts of these um, things with you before, and we're going to look more at um, these when we start walking through our core values together over the next couple of weeks. But regarding time, you and I can waste time, spend time, or we can invest time wisely. All of us have the exact same number of hours in a day. We have 24 Okay, All of us have the same number of hours in a week. There's 168. We all have the same number of hours in a year. There's 525,600 minutes each year. All of us have those same minutes. 
Some people take that time and build relationships, dream dreams, make plans, innovate, cultivate their walk with God, develop new skills, live lives of adventures. Others take that time and they waste it away. They used to, or there's a book that I read several years ago by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. That, that title alone was an attention getter to me. We can either use our time or we can waste our time. One writer said, what differentiates people isn't the amount of time available to them, but the manner in which they exercise their gifts and talents within their available time. Let's be good stewards of the time that God has given us. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, we read, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, work heartily at it. Whether that is um, teaching a class, whether that's investing in a friend, whether that's at your place of employment or parenting your children or loving on your spouse or doing life, do it all as unto the Lord is what we've been commanded to do. Notice also that we are to be good stewards of our talents. Um, in 1 Peter 4.10, we read, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, I've often said of great athletes, musicians, artists, and actors that they have talent. I've also said that of great preachers and evangelists and writers and theologians. God has gifted each and every one of us in this room as well as everyone outside of the doors of this church. He did not give us those gifts to advance our own kingdoms. He gave us those gifts to advance his kingdoms, right? He gave us those gifts so we can bring honor and glory to him in and through what we do. Can you imagine what would happen if you took your God-given gifts and used those gifts to advance God's kingdom? Think about all the things that you do at work. Think about all the things that you do on a daily basis. Think about what would happen if you invested those gifts into advancing God's kingdom. Lives would start getting changed, wouldn't they? People would start getting a glimpse of what it means to be a Christ follower as they look at you and watch you on a daily basis. Can you imagine what would happen if you used those talents to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of the doors of this church as well as within the doors of this church? You and I were created and gifted not just for corporate America, but also for Christ's church. Notice also that we are to be good stewards of our treasure. Remember, our bank accounts are not ours, our lives are not ours, our homes are not ours, our cars are not ours. Sure, our names may be on the deed or on the title, but those are the Lord's, right? And we have been given those so that we could steward them rightly. In Psalm 24, 1 through 2, we read, The, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it and upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. As the creator of the universe, God has absolute rights, not to some things, but everything. Everything belongs to him. Well, we may think, well, no, this is mine. Well, one day you're going to die and you're not going to take any of it with you. That's reality, right? So what does that tell all of us? That we are temporary stewards of that which we have been entrusted with. 
We are stewards of our time, of our talents, and of our treasures. Once again, we're going to talk more about these in the coming weeks. In closing this morning, I just want to reach back to our focal passage and and read verse 24 of Acts chapter 26. I love what um, we read here. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Has that ever been said of you that you're out of your mind? Man, what are you thinking? What's going on in that thick skull of yours? I don't know about you, but I'm okay with someone telling me that I'm out of my mind when it comes to proclaiming the good news of salvation with other people. I'm, I'm okay with being looking like a fool advancing the gospel if it means other people can get saved. Remember, Paul, he is standing for, before a king whose, whose father, great-grandfather, and grandfather were part of some of the most despicable things that could have ever been done in the first century. And Paul is standing before him and boldly proclaiming the, the word of God. And as a result, he's being called a man out of his own mind. Let's, let's be okay with being called men and women out of our mind if it means that people are going to get saved. I mean, here 2,000 years after this, this letter was penned, after the story of Acts has been recorded, you and I are, I'm preaching from it. So lives are still being changed because of God's word. And if you and I would just study God's Word more, then guess what's going to happen? We're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ more and more each day. Notice some characteristics of a disciple. Characteristics of a disciple, they demonstrate a love for Jesus. How this week will you demonstrate a love for Jesus? How? And I'm asking myself these questions too. How... Do we demonstrate a love for others this week? How are we going to become imitators of Christ? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to to invest our resources? How are we going to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ? If we would live out our vision, there are lives that will be forever changed, right? If we live our lives for the glory of the Lord as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, lives are going to be transformed in this room and outside of this room as well. Let's seek to live our lives for Jesus. Let's seek seek to be obedient to the Great Commission and go. And let's do everything that we can this week to allow ourselves to be molded into the image of Jesus as image bearers of our great King. You know, this morning you may be here and you're like, man, everything that you said is foreign to me. I don't understand what it means to, to be reformed. Um, I don't m- know what it means to be made new. I certainly don't know what it means to be transformed into this Jesus that you're talking about. Well, I want you to know this morning that if you don't know Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior, I would love to share with you more about how you can do that. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to be standing here at the front. And if there's a decision that you need to make, 
I'd love to share with you more. I'd love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, how you can repent of your sins and cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, how you can take up your cross and follow Jesus every single day of your life. You may be here this morning, and, 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 and um, as, as we've walked through Scripture together, you may um, be like, man, I'm not living my life to the fullest. I, I'm not um, giving all of myself over to the Lord or to His church. I don't know what decision you need to make, but whatever that decision is, I pray that over the next couple of minutes you'll allow the Lord to do business with you. Let's stand together. Um, I'm going to pray, and then after I say amen, you come. Father God, thank you for this morning again. Thank you, Father, for the, the truth of your word. Father, thank you that you have allowed us to participate in the mission of the church. Thank you for allowing us to be entrusted with the greatest value treasure there is on this planet, and that is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Father, help us not to keep that to ourselves. Help us not to keep that bottled up within us, but help us to to boldly proclaim it to those that you bring our way. Father, I know that there's so many men, women, students, and, and children that are in this room that, that every single day they, they, they have, they glorify you. And Father, I thank you for them. But Father, I know there's some in this room, like me, that we don't seize every opportunity that we have. And Father, help us to seize those opportunities and boldly share and boldly love on boldly invest in other people. Father, if there's someone here this morning that has yet to enter into a relationship with you, I pray that today they'll make the greatest decision that they could ever make. Father, if there's some here this morning that you're leading to make friendship their church home, Lord, I pray that you will lead them to do that very thing. Father, I pray that all of us will continue to hear a word from you this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.